Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. If there's one thing we've learned over the last decade or so is that one doesn't mess with Black Widow. And here we're not referring to the creepy crawly arachnids which have a nasty tendency to devour their male partners during the mating process. Not exactly coitus interruptus, but not exactly a nicer alternative either. No, here we are talking about one Scarlett Johansson, the actor responsible for bringing Marvel's favorite assassin to life on the big screen, and her lawsuit against the entertainment monolith that is Disney over the release of her movie on Disney Plus and screens the same day. Who's right? Who's wrong? And who is incredibly, stupidly, remarkably wrong? We'll talk it all over in this episode 73, Stream versus Screen. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is a man who was once famed for his ability to fake illness in order to get out of any manner of unpleasant engagements, for which he is now quite possibly forever cursed for. He is the bow to my Blake. Fashions may come and go, but as we all know, purple shoulder pads never go out of style. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend how are you i'm doing quite well sir and yourself well to quote doc holiday wyatt i'm rolling oh boy somebody stayed up way too late on the amazon prime the other night didn't they? i did i did <laughs> and you're a daisy if you do he's down by the river walking on water <laughs> all right sir before uh, we get too deep into tombstone references uh, can you name <laughs> the tag team I can. Uh, I remember witnessing the debut of this tag team and wondering what exactly the gimmick was supposed to be. But yes, this is the Beverly Brothers. I believe they debuted in 93 at the Royal Rumble. <sighs> I really thought I might have slipped that one by you because it is. It is such like a, a nothing gimmick. It was like, hey, they've got mullets and... They, purple capes with shoulder pads built into them. It was the weirdest thing. Like, what What they, was the, the thing? Yeah, they, they, they had blonde hair. They were supposed to be, like, pretty boys. It kind of took me back to, um, I, I remember seeing old uh, wrestling matches with the Valiant Brothers. Uh, and, and Jimmy Valiant, you know, became a, a manager in the 80s. Uh, managed, I do so uh, appreciate how you actually think I know this stuff. Like, oh, you know, as as you know, he yeah, like, as you know, no, uh, no idea, Jimmy no Valiant, idea whatsoever. Jimmy Valiant became the manager in the 1980s of the team of Greg the Hammer Valentine and Brutus the Barber Beefcake, known as the Dream Team. Okay, uh, but so I kind of looked at them as a takeoff of that. But you know, once they debuted, and you know, and, and once you started to see them in the the WWE ecosystem, you were kind of like, uh, what is your deal, guys? Because you're just a kind of a vanilla tag team. <laughs> you know, it was not exactly 
you know, they, they were good workers, but they weren't like tearing it up from an entertainment standpoint. So well, and also, I mean, I wouldn't even say vanilla because if you look at the complexion of these individuals, I mean. Lily White doesn't quite cover it, and along with the bleach blonde, I mean, they're essentially like mayonnaise. That's what we're talking about. Like that is that is more. They are a mayo tag team, I guess is the way to put it. I I could be incredibly disgusting now that I've said it, and I instantly regret it. And I believe they debuted at Royal Rumble and were jobbed out to uh, the Steiner brothers, if I remember correctly. Yeah, because I mean. Who was it? I was watching some wrestling video the other day, and they were basically saying that you know it, nobody would actually be able to beat the Steiner brothers if it was an actual fight. Like they were just oh, that yeah. that strong and powerful and somewhat nuts. Yeah. And and seeing where Scott Steiner ended up, I totally mm-hmm. believe it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think Scott steroided his brains into yeah. oblivion. There, th- those guys are just a little bit nuts. And Big now, pop a pump, holler if you hear me. I love how you said that with like almost like trying to add a little dignity to it by by reading it straight. <laughs> there, I'll, I'll see if I can find the link and send it to you. But there, there is a, a YouTube. I would have rather you done that like with a Shakespearean sort of accent. Holler if you hear me. Holler. Um, <laughs> there was a promo that Scott Steiner cut when he was in Impact Wrestling, and. It, it, it became, I think it was Impact Wrestling and it wasn't WCW, but I got to go back and find it. He He's talking about, it was something to do with numbers. I think he was talking about the number of like world titles he's held versus whoever his opponent was or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was like a John Madden moment for him. <laughs> Which actually, and, in all fairness, is like every moment of Scott Steiner's life. Yeah. The numbers didn't add up. He, he was talking just silliness and it was just one of these just like really just funny you know, here, here, here goes a wrestler who's clearly lost in the numbers uh, throughout his promo. So it, it was funny. It was funny. It was a meme you. in the making, essentially. Yes, yes. And Big actually, Papa a, Pump, holler if you hear him, but don't ask him to do the math. Well, and then didn't they at one point they have him go do a debate with a Jerry Lawler or something like live on TV on Raw sometime? A like, debate. There was a debate. I'll have to look this up and oh. see if I can put that in there. I don't know if they'll actually have the entire clip, but I, I, I think I remember Brian Zane referring okay. to it, and I was like, that is so absolutely incredibly stupid and nuts. Yeah. It, it surely must have happened, because it's, oh. it, it's one of those things that I'm sure Vince was like, this is a great idea, pal. Well, even, even stupider, if you will, is uh, when he was feuding back in the early tw- 2000s, when he was feuding with Triple H, and they actually, at a pay-per-view, had a pose-off. Oh like, gosh! Oh yeah! Oh, Vince it, dusted that one off. Let me tell you, from the ravishing Rick Rude Ultimate Warrior days. <laughs> Let me tell you guys, this is gonna draw me money. <laughs> oh gosh! It's a pose off. People are gonna love it. <laughs> oh, so dumb! <laughs> so dumb! <laughs> All right, we're we're so, descending into madness. On here. that note, shall we uh, venture over into the weekend geek, my friend? Uh, yes, let's shuffle that way, shall we, to the ever-expanding world of the Week in Geek. Mm-hmm. The Week in Geek. Feels so funky. What do you got? All right, so uh, first up, uh, 
a lot of Marvel, uh, as you probably noticed the last few episodes, a lot of Marvel news. It's really kind of incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. The the Loki series uh, really, you know, before it 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 debuted, there was kind of like a lull. You know, you know how kind of between the Super Bowl and opening day in baseball, there's really just you know the NCAA basketball, and that's about it. Otherwise, it's a pretty quiet time sport wise. Uh, it seemed yeah. like after Wanda, or sorry, not WandaVision, after uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and before Loki, it was kind of quiet overall. Mm. And uh, now that Loki has has played out season one, a uh, lot of a lot of speculation, a uh, lot of interesting uh, theories and ideas coming from it. And one of them uh, is from uh, Inverse.com, a possible Loki cameo in the Eternals movie. So not a cameo of Loki himself. Basically, what this article quotes is a Redditor uh, named, I love this name, Scar- Scarlet Warlock 911. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we just went and picked, went with a random user ID uh, generator website. Okay. So sure. this Redditor notes that Kang's first appearance, uh, I believe, was in the Fantastic Four number 19. And how this ties into the Eternals is uh, the the idea is that the Eternals movie may encompass uh, of the movies we've seen from the MCU. This one may encompass the broadest range of time. Most of the MCU, or the early parts of it, uh, like Iron Man and so forth, you know, were really based in current day. Of course, Captain America was back in World War Two. Thor was, you know, in his fantasy land. What they're talking about here is with the Eternals, we may see from early in Earth's history through to present day, you know, kind of a a wide expanse of time. And how that factors into the cameo is it's noted that Kang's first appearance is in Fantastic Four issue number 19. In 1963, Marvel introduced him not as Kang, but as Rama Tut, a time traveling ancient Egyptian pharaoh who arrived in a sphinx shaped time machine. So Hmm. the idea is could. A Kang variant, so and this is, seems to be all the rage now because variants mean well we could see anyone, you know, even Mephisto. We could see a Mephisto variant in one of these movies. Of course, of course. So uh, the idea being that yes, is, is it possible we could see uh, Kang played by Jonathan Majors uh, in the Eternals? Uh, there was some argumentation about how the Eternals had filmed long before. Uh, COVID and there and before, of course, Jonathan Major's uh, debut as Kang. Um, but as Falcon and the Winter Soldier showed us uh, with Julia Louis-Dreyfus being introduced, uh, really, she was supposed to be introduced in Black Widow. Of course, Black Widow did not debut, so they ended up introducing her in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So the mm-hmm. idea being that maybe what they do is, you know, kind of add Kang in uh, kind of after the fact in, in post-production, shall we say, to make an appearance. So we, we shall see. This is the theory. This is the theory, but uh, kind of an interesting one, if you think about it. And what was that Redditor's name again? Scarlet Warlock 911. Okay, so from now on, I would like to be known as Lamp Sofa 747. Okay, that's... <laughs> That is that is how I will refer to myself from now on. So <laughs> I mean, as oh. long as we're making crap up, I mean, which actually the thing is that is actually one of the more polite redditor names that I have ever seen. Actually, yeah. that is yeah. that is one of the more family friendly ones that you're gonna find. You Indeed. know, so 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 thoughts on this? You know, again, it's it's kind of a spin on a 
on, on something we've talked about before, just the appearance of Kang in different movies. I mean, anything can happen. I mean, there's reshoots on every movie now. I mean, it used to be if you if you saw like, oh, this this movie's going into reshoots, and then it's like, oh my gosh, they're in trouble. Now it's just it's the length of reshoots and how much money they're putting into it. Like when you yeah. hear, oh yeah, they had six weeks of reshoots, and it's like, oh, that ain't good. <laughs> <laughs> You can you can shoot a movie in six week in yeah. six weeks. I mean, yeah. Robert Rodriguez could shoot a movie in six days. So if it's six weeks, uh, things ain't going well. So yeah, really? they could totally do that and drop men. I mean, for crying out loud, they 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 dropped Tig Nataro into that in that Batista movie, like and replaced an oh, entire right. actor. Yeah, it, is I that mean, called Army of the Dead or something like that? Uh, something like that. The Vegas zombie movie is what I'm calling it. It, yeah. it did not look like anything I was... It's not, number one, that's not my genre, so that's fine. However, mm. it did intrigue me enough to watch a couple of the, the videos where they're showing how they how they dropped like a completely new actor into and like the same space as everybody else. And that's crazy. Just, just how seamless it looked, how it really did yeah. look like... Nataro is right there with everyone else. Yeah. And which also then again just brings out how absolutely craptastic DC Warner Brothers special effects were in all of their movies. It's like mm-hmm. they're they're in post production putting in a whole other person and replace and like yanking out the other person and replacing this person and it looks perfect. Yeah. You're doing this other stuff and you can't even make it all look like the people were there and they were there together. I mean, yeah. <laughs> ah! But, uh, but anyway, uh, so yes, I, I think it could be possible. I think it's, it might be a little unlikely, but then again, with things shifting around as much as they have, I could see that and then wanting, wanting to take advantage of it and saying, okay, well, Things have gotten shuffled around and, and pushed back, and I mean, as, as it goes right now, they might be like, "Hey, we might as well shoot it because we might push this back another six months, anyways." Yeah. So yeah, totally in the realm of possibilities, and I think it's interesting. So I'll say this: I think part of the reason why we had that lull, of course, has to be COVID. Like, I mean, oh that, sure, sure, that just put a cap on everything because you had. And, Cap and talking about Cap, uh, that, was a, that was a very tenuous connection. But yeah, I really yeah, wanted to have yeah, a yeah. Thank you. Um, but that that like really kind of kept anything from happening aside from what had already been what had already been completed. So there wasn't yeah. as much to speculate about because we didn't have that next movie. We just had to wait for the next show that had kind mm-hmm. of been tied up. Yep. So, yep. but I think there w- there would have been a bit more speculation if things were busier about how this impacts where Captain America is going to be and all this. Of course, the other thing too is we aren't getting any of those movies anytime soon. Like we're that's kind of be the last time we're really going to see Captain America for a little bit. Yeah. From the from the way the schedule looks to be laying out, unless I don't know, Bucky and and uh, and Sam are going to show up in Doctor Strange too, which. Or Quantumania, Ant-Man, Wasp. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, anything is possible at this point. Yeah. But I think the there would have been a little bit more speculation afterwards if Loki hadn't essentially come up with something even bigger that now affects everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just that what what Loki began and the whole idea of the multiverse. You can trace that out in every direction so far. Mm-hmm. It's it just lends itself to wild speculation, yep. as opposed to everything else, which you know 
fans were just wildly speculating off of nothing. At least here, now you got something. <laughs> like, right, right. Yes, by all means, wildly speculate about this because it's it, it is so incredibly rich uh, ground to to dig into. Well, and 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 the fact that that you know going back to Wandavision, that's where we had read you know some of the theories that thought that that was going to be the birth of the multiverse, and yeah, you know, Marvel, I think whether by design or by accident was brilliant in kind of putting it off until now with Loki because now you're going into this transition phase now where there isn't re- I mean the, the the what if series is coming out and then I think there's Hawkeye maybe in I think we said November or December. Yeah. So there really isn't another big show coming out anytime soon. However, we have Shang-Chi coming out in September mm-hmm. and then we have Eternals in November and then Spider-Man in December. So having yeah. Put having a big old, Loki put a drop big old the asterisk bomb. next to all of those, yeah. everything past Shang Chi. All right, I, I just I just feel I need to say that because it's only going to take like one or two more movies making eighty million at the box office mm-hmm. for some of these companies to be like, all right, punt, you yeah. know. Yeah. <sighs> but anyway, I, no, I I I agree with you. I I I I agree. I think it's yeah, yeah. So. You know, so dropping the bomb of the multiverse now is kind of like getting us over that August hump into September, you mm. know, for for the new content, and then uh, and then you know we'll see what the What If series brings. I mean, that 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 in and of itself could be a surprise. I mean, honestly, going into Loki, I I didn't really have major expectations for it. You know, I didn't know what to expect of it, and it, it's just very interesting how it really turned out to be of the three shows from the first half of this year, really the one that's propelling everything forward now, you know? Yeah. Um, Wouldn't it have been wild if, because, I mean, as soon as WandaVision got done and no multiverse, you know, no no Doctor Strange cameo and all that, and, and, you know, and, uh, you know, Quicksilver turned out to not be Quicksilver, and we were all like, okay, well, I guess it's going to be Loki, wouldn't it have been absolutely wild if, like, Falcon and Winter Soldier had been where the multiverse kicked off? Like, Marvel's like, oh, there, no oh, one's going to see this coming. Yeah. Finding yeah. out, like, Steve Rogers going back and living his life again, mm-hmm. even yep. though, you know, he was in the ice. And But there's some of the time he's parallel that, like, somehow that cracked everything open. Wouldn't that have just been, like, f- people's heads would have exploded. Oh, yeah. It would have been amazing. Absolutely. Oh man! Mephisto could have shown up, and you would have probably won one of the real jabronis. Nah, well, no, actually, yeah, because we did talk about Mephisto for that one, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I think I reversed the wording on it, and that screwed you up. And so you you went. I think you said jabroni when I said he won't appear, which meant when you said jabroni, he would appear. And I think you lost on that one. So actually, I thought it was the other way. I thought I actually came out was on it the top other way around. Okay. It might have actually worked in my favor, like me being confused, which you know is kind of the the story of my life when you really come around to it. Anything that goes right, I was probably confused, and I meant to pick the wrong thing, and I picked the right thing. It's like, oh, hey, that worked out well. Yeah. Yep. Well, moving right along and staying within the realm of uh, the ripple effect of the Loki series in the multiverse. We have mm-hmm. Behold the Thanos Variants. Oh, so from we've got this covered.com. They are reporting this from the same source that had predicted the Captain America 4 uh, movie would be in the works and was correct. So there's, you know, some 
potential uh, validity to what I'm about to say, but uh, they are reporting that there will be multiple variants of Thanos in the future of the MCU. Uh, they were not specific on any uh, films, uh, you know, like specific films, but uh, it was reported that uh, it, there is a plan to have different variants of Thanos, of which one of them uh, will be small and weak. So uh, kind of a little bit of a juxtaposition, maybe played up for comedy in the same way that we had uh, the Loki variants or like Frog Thor mm -hmm. uh, kind of a thing. It was also speculated as well, uh, what if uh, he ends up being a part of what if uh, in, in that series as well? Because I hmm. believe there is an episode where Gamora, it's a what if of Gamora being in the, the shoes of Thanos, basically. Oh. Um, which would mean that she was able to overthrow him and, you know, kind of move forward. And Josh Brolin is reprising his role as Thanos in season one of What If. So so a little little blurb there uh, to keep an eye out in any new Marvel content for the uh, Thanos variants. Yeah, as we are as we are recording uh, late on Tuesday night, uh, we are the we are on the eve of the premiere of What If. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be very tempted not to stay up to midnight and catch that first episode and try and pretend, you know, like tell my mm -hmm. kid that I, I didn't watch it and watch it with her tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to do that. Good man. I, I really want to, though. Be the I adult. Really <laughs> be the adult. You can do it. Uh, but, oh, man, I am I am so looking forward to that. That mm -hmm. is going to I have a feeling that's going to be a ton of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, agreed. Next story. Staying in the realm of Thanos. See, I, I stitched these together. There, there's a little bit of a theme across these. You did. You the first three of these, you're you're going. I'm I'm curious how you're going to tie this to the fourth item that I'm seeing on our outline. Oh, you're going to love this one. Uh, okay, okay, right. So, on. or, or or the next one, but but on this one, um, what I find interesting and 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 brought it to the table for today uh, was for this reason. Uh, from ScreenRant.com, theories on Thanos' real motivation for the Infinity War. Uh, and what is basically written about in this article is uh, a, a fan uh, theorizing that uh, even though Thanos was claiming that his real motivation for what he was doing was around resources, and, and it's this idea that is called Methus... I won't say it right... Methusianism, which is the idea that population growth is exponential while the growth of food supply and other resources is linear. So uh -huh. eventually over time, you have more people than resources and uh, you have population that dies off. And so, of course, this was Thanos's claimed motivation as we as we saw in Infinity War. Okay. But this user is claiming this is not the case. Instead, the villain's intentions were really driven by his personal ambition to be a Leviathan. And the idea of Leviathan comes from a Thomas Hobbes book that posits for as long as men live without a common power to keep them all in awe, they are in the condition known as war, and it is a war of every man against every man. So I bring this up because I, I find this, A, just kind of an interesting read, but also B, this actually ties into another bit of sci-fi geekery for us, uh, because this was a core concept to the original Watchmen story. Because if you remember, one of the key points toward the end of Watchmen was the mm. introduction um, 
and I'm the hero's the hero slash villain's name is escaping me, of course, because you know I'm talking right now. You mean the the one who the are you talking about Ozymandias? Ozymandias, thank you very much. The smartest man on the cinder. That you know Ozymandias, like in the comic, Ozymandias basically fabricates a quasi alien invasion of sorts mm. and drops this massive alien in the middle of New York, and miraculously, all the nations of the world unite in peace against this common foe. Yeah. And this is kind of what's being speculated as really having been Thanos's real motivation. Um, because in Endgame, he talks about wiping out everything and just starting anew. The idea being that by making himself the all-powerful, that there will be, you know, all other beings will bow to his will and won't fight each other. There'll be peace because he will be the thing that they are in awe of and are fearful of. So I just found that kind of an interesting thing. It's not really a theory toward any movie or TV show. It's really kind of looking back a little bit at content we've already seen. But I found it kind of an interesting idea and wanted to get your uh, thoughts, sir. Um, I, I I'm wondering if Patrick left open the glue again because my head hurts <laughs> just hearing you talk about all that. <laughs> I mean, I I like to think of myself as as you know smarter than the average bear, but damn, that was a whole that was a whole lot of science to drop on me at you know quarter of ten p.m. while recording. This. How you doing, Uncle Todd? <laughs> oh man, my head hurts. Um, you know, it's a very interesting concept, um, but that doesn't sound like that was his intention all along. That sounds like his frustration with how things turned out in like a revised goal. Yes, and and I would agree with you. I think the Thanos of Infinity War was truly going about a noble mission in his mind to correct what is this consumption problem mm. that that the population well, will outgrow the resources. So I think I think that was truly the Thanos we saw in Infinity War. I think that was truly his motivation. I do think the motivation of the one in Endgame is the is the Leviathan one, where he yes. he, he wants to establish himself as the power that all beings will re, will revere and fear, so long as he's alive. True. Yes, and I think that you could also make the the case of you know the Thanos variants are coming. We've already seen one because he varies from what his original timeline is when he gets that information and finding out like oh that's the end that I have and this is how it goes okay well I'm inevitable except it's my failure that seems to be inevitable right you know what I mean right so hmm yeah or or not necessarily his failure because he did succeed Yes. However, it, it was really kind of like the fact that he didn't get to fulfill that sec I'll you know and I'll watch the sunrise on a on a grateful universe. Well, they weren't all that grateful and he only got to see the couple sunrises before, you know, off with his head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. No, it's an interesting theory, but I I think it's I think it's getting a little too into the weeds. Yeah. I I mean, I like I said, I I kind of liked it because it draws from that concept from Watchmen. You know, which yeah. was yeah, yeah, totally. Which was to establish a common enemy that everyone can align against, because then they mm -hmm. stop fighting each other. And yes. and while I can understand it, like like you were just saying, I think I think the Thanos we saw in Endgame, there was definitely more arrogance to that Thanos than there was to the one in Infinity War. You know what I mean? Like 
the Infinity War Thanos was able to do what he did because he was wielding the gauntlet and he was purposeful in what he was doing and, and measured in what he was doing. And I really, you know, I think looking at Endgame Thanos, he was arrogant. You know, he, he saw that he had succeeded in his mission. And now I think the inevitability that he was considering was more that he would just win much like he yeah. won before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, especially at the end, he, he, he explains to Thor and Iron Man and, and Captain America that, you know, he understands that as long as they are around, he, he will not be the being that everyone reveres. And so I'm just going to wipe everything out, reset everything. And when it all comes back, all they'll know is that I am this generous benefactor. Mm. And and you know the one that that wields the power and that that I think is where his character goes kind of astray. So true. Yes, I would agree. All right, and then the last one you're gonna love this one. Okay. So this article and uh, I I'll I'll send you well you have the link in the sh- in, in our outline here but uh, from Inverse.com and they are indirectly referencing a New York Times article but it was it's basically talking about Star Trek gearing up to boldly go in new directions over the next five years uh, basically sounds like Alex Kurtzman who has been an executive producer uh, he signed a new five year deal with Viacom CBS to expand the franchise on Paramount Plus service. Mm-hmm. And he is quoted as saying, uh, if, if it were up to me only, I would be pushing the boundaries much further than I think most people would want. So he is gearing up to do some crazy stuff. But what's interesting about the article is the way that it juxtaposes what's going on with Star Trek with the Marvel franchise. And mm. talking about how, you know, with the last... And it's interesting, they, they reference WandaVision and Falcon, the Winter Soldier, and Loki. And, and basically their point is, you know, Marvel's movies and films they're all kind of built to appeal to the same core audience and what this article is talking about is how star trek is comfortable with stretching into areas that may not resonate with their core fan base but there may be a subset of fan base that will follow it and so their examples are there's the uh animated you know lower decks which is Mm. you know kind of like this weird take on star trek where it's a little more irreverent a little more goofy but it's based on elements of what we've seen in other shows, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely not, you know, I wouldn't say it's something that's geared toward the pure Star Trek fan. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. And then you have Discovery, which a lot of, I haven't watched myself. I've heard a lot of great things about it, and it sounds like it's a a really solid, you know, show, but it's a show that is not, you know, from what I read here, it it is not focused on a captain. You know, it's, it's not focused on, you know, in the same way that the like next generation was on Picard and, and a lot of the, the bridge crew. So it's, it's yeah. slightly different. Um, mm-hmm. Talked about deep space nine, how that was based on a space station. So you're not trekking around the, you know, the, the stars like you were in all the other shows that preceded it. So it's just trying to talk about how star Trek knows how to diversify itself and do it in a way that um, has allowed it to basically grow over the decades. And just and it was interesting that throughout the article they're comparing, you know, that franchise to Marvel, not to not to badmouth Marvel, but just to kind of point out how in some ways they're similar, but in other ways how Star Trek, you know, kind of knows how to diversify itself and that and that Alex Kurtzman kind of at the helm 
over the next five years may know how to do that through discovery or through just, yeah through discovery through Picard and through some other uh, shows that, that are that are coming up. So I uh, I just wanted to bring that out as as kind of a, a point to say you know Star Trek seems to be growing in a direction and uh, it sounds like it could get pretty interesting. Okay, so I'll I will say two things. Uh, first of all, I love Discovery. I think you would really like it. And it, I do agree. It doesn't focus on a specific captain. It is it is really following one character and her journey through all of this. And, and I think I even mentioned it before, but it it is the story of the first mutineer in Starfleet history. And I'm not giving away spoilers for later. And that is like episode one. So, you know, go ahead and get upset. But that's like the, that's within the first like 20 minutes of the episode. Oh, interesting. And it is. It is a really interesting show, and I've heard a lot of Star Trek fans who are not happy about that, but then again, there's a lot of Star Trek fans who are a lot like Star Wars fans, where once you get out of their little comfortable bubble of OG trilogy or you know anything like that, and if it's not that, if it's not the original show, or if it's not the original movies up to, up to, up to number four, because after four, and everyone gets a little wacky, like, oh, that's not really, blah, 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 whatever, but I mean... There's a lot of hardcore fans who are not Discovery fans. I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great show. I think it is so wildly different, and they've taken so many chances on it and also yep. managed to like fill in gaps and also really find a way to explain you know, the, the differences of technology mm-hmm. that can seem a little inconsistent between time periods when you really think about some of this stuff. Yeah. And, and elegantly were able to explain those. Uh, while also like kind of carving out some new territory. So I, I'm going to give you my, my full-on endorsement for watching Star Trek Discovery. Nice. Nice. I'll have to check it out. And, you know, one, one data point to, to just bring up, which I found kind of interesting. Intriguing. So uh, they, they mentioned in the article, and it's a long article. I, I really tried to, you know, cut out the, the most important points, but, but this one was kind of interesting to me, that, you know, as expansive as the MCU can feel, it, the point they're making is the majority of its characters are adapted from pre-existing comic books, which we know. You know, I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's the basis of, 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 the, of the material. Star Trek, on the other hand, has invented over 40 new characters in the past five years alone. Yeah, but okay, okay. And now here's, here's my other point. <laughs> I knew that would, that would rankle the cockles of his heart. <laughs> well, again, make sure you enunciate that very clearly. We don't want to rankle uh, the wrong... <laughs> things um that's that's on the jim coronet podcast you got to go and talk to corny he'll rankle anything just he will. for kicks and, um, and then some yes <laughs> might even might even twist um so here's the thing okay and that's great 40 characters over the past five years wonderful but it, it it's just like okay that's not that's an achievement but it's no different. It just is. It's different means to the same. It's it's different roads to the same goal. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. you took the highway. You took you know U.S. Route One. Whatever. Right. However you want to think about it. The thing is, Marvel has all this backlog of source material. Mm-hmm. True, but they're also taking that source material from a range of like fifty years. From the time, like the original Iron Man origin story, I believe took place in Vietnam. 
when Tony Stark was injured. Mm. Obviously, that ain't going to happen, so you have to update that. And you change him, and you change that character for today. So yes, the, the spirit of the character is still the same, very different. Right. You know, um, the same as now, we're going to have to see how they decide to play Magneto when they when they do bring the X-Men into this, because let's face it, Magneto would be really freaking old unless you explain it, because now we're as we get further and further away from World War Two, his story as even a child survivor of of Nazi Germany, you know, concentration camps becomes a little more of a stretch when you start getting, okay, now he's at best 90? Right. You know, by the time the movie comes out, like, okay, unless you kind of start saying, well, Magneto doesn't age the same. <laughs> you know, like, and, and like all of a sudden now he's an anti-aging mutant as well. It, some of these things are going to have to change, and it's been adapted, and it's, it's in some of these cases, an amalgamation of storylines, or in some cases... An, a totally original storyline. Yeah. But yeah. they have that basis to go through, which is great, fine. But it was built in a completely different way than Star Trek. Star Trek started out with just the crew of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what Lower Decks plays around with that idea of like we've always seen the glamorous ship it's always been the flagship of the federation right. you know the en- right. the original enterprise or even the next generation enterprise or you get onto um you get onto voyager and it was like ooh, this is the latest greatest starship and even discovery like oh yes and this is the most elite this is the newest shiniest starship in existence and if, if i'm remembering right lower decks is like a support ship it's like the most generic uninteresting mm-hmm. run-of-the-mill boring starship in the fleet which is you know pointing out that like we never see that right. well that it, you're showing me there i was like well they need to create more characters because they haven't it's almost the same as like saying well star wars in the last decade has created 150 new characters well yeah because they're playing catch-up they're trying to fill out a universe that they haven't that really is focused on a small handful of characters. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, great, you create new characters and believe me, I'm thankful for those characters because I think some of them are awesome. I think the I think that some of these new characters are really interesting. You know, and it's and it's so not playing to the type of what we've seen from Star Trek. Yeah. However, the reason you're doing it is because you have to because you mm-hmm. don't have that source material. So yeah, you could look at it as a positive. Like, look at all we've done. The negative is, ain't nobody tended this for like 20, 30 years, and we've been focusing on the same handful of characters. Yeah, we need to, because you're playing from behind. Yeah. So before you start patting everyone on the fanny for their good job, maybe you ought to consider the reason why you're creating 40 characters in forty year, in, in five years. Well, I, I think, though, it goes back to the diversification Point, you know that that as a franchise, and and it isn't based on the franchise alone. It you know it's it's based on the people who are who are tending to it. You know, Star Trek as a franchise doesn't do what it's doing without having you know creative minds who and and also an organization around those creative minds that are allowing them to go in directions that maybe you know stretch the boundaries of what it's done before. You know, and, yeah, and, and, certainly. And like I said, the article isn't knocking Marvel. I think what it's trying to draw a parallel to is look at the ways that this franchise here has been creative in keeping itself relevant after how many decades. You know, like 
It, yeah. Yes. Oh no, totally. And I and I get that. And I will okay. say, I, and I will knock Marvel. I'll I'll take a knock at Marvel right now. Star Trek has actually done a much better job of, of of just di- not just diversifying their the their universe, but of actually diversifying their crew. Yeah. Like. Oh yeah. It took it took Marvel how many movies for us to get a a standalone feature that was centered around a, a, a female character right or the fact that I mean really the the Marvel Universe at least on screen thus far uh, pretty light if you know what I'm saying like there it's yep. it's it is it is a a white bread you know cast by majority and there there is more inclusion coming and there's more diversity coming and all that but it's taken them quite a while where but then again star trek was all set out with that mission like the original crew that was gene roddenberry's vision of having of seeing different types of people on the bridge like in a in a in an authority setting you know like it it wasn't like yeah it was foundational to to it was foundational to the franchise before it became a franchise yes and that's why even going into like the new into into Star Trek Discovery, like you've, I mean, you've got the main character is is a is a is a black woman. You've got, mm-hmm. uh, you mm-hmm. have you have gay characters on the, you know, a, a, like a couple on 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 Discovery. You you have non-binary characters showing up. I mean, it's it is way different than anything we have seen in Marvel so far. Yeah, really, you know, again, it's pluses and minuses. Right. And and the way I look at it is like, yeah, they're both taking different roads to kind of get to the same end because Marvel is definitely, you know, branching out when you see, you know, Shang-Chi is coming. You've got the cast of the Eternals is 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 not, you know, majority white as it, as it has been for most of these movies. So it's it's getting there. They're just taking different roads to it. So it's like yeah. again, I'm not trying to knock too hard on either one, but it's oh, like Oh no, no. It's kind of like, yeah, it's nice to point out, but meh. And one final quick point there is uh, that the uh, director of Wanda, WandaVision, Matt Shakeman, is reportedly going to be directing the next Star Trek movie. So, really? Uh-huh. So <laughs> the point there being the franchise isn't being built in a vacuum. They are, are pulling people in from other places. So. so keep an eye out for Star Trek content. Not a bad place to pull from. No, not at all. Uh, and lastly, real quick, because uh, this has gone over once again, uh, health update. Yeah, by Fi- design. 51 days, ladies and gentlemen, without an incident. And by incident, we mean going to the hospital. So, uh, yep, we, we've made it uh, 51 days. So, almost two months. And that is and that is good. And as always, I applaud you, sir. However, uh, there is a slight update to the the uncle to the uh, the man they call Tim. Health update: uh, My yes, wife please. actually went to the hospital last week. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so do we do we now have to start part of that? <laughs> it's we like all we, these, we can add all that these in. People around me going around to the hospital. I'm starting to get a little paranoid. Like, <laughs> is it me? <laughs> like I'm. Tr- <laughs> What am I doing? I don't. I don't think I'm that exhausting, am You're I? You're the cause of it all. It probably. You know what? It probably is. You know. <laughs> I'm an only child. I've got plenty of guilt to go around. So why not just pile a little more on? All right. Well, s- send me the date, and we'll start the counter. Okay. I'll. I'll see if I can work that up. All right. And that, my friends, is an extended. And let's face it, half the episode we can geek. <laughs> yeah. I. I think bloated might be a better way to put it. Bloated. Of course. Of course, I went, I went heavily to that. 
Well, thank you, sir, once again for sleuthing the interwebs and coming up with all those bits and bobs of, of entertainment and news and trivia and flotsam and jetsam. Appreciated, as always. Mm. But now it's time to get to the main event, uh, which is our good friend ScarJo uh, taking on Mickey Momo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's so horrible. <laughs> please, please, everyone, forget I even said that. Oh, that's fantastic. We got so, Flo yeah. Flo, Scar Joe, and Mickey Momo. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just getting out of control. Tro. Anyways, oh my gosh! Um, yeah, thank you, Jeez. thank you, thank you. Listen, Patrick, I could hear you roll your eyes from across the room. All right, just go back to working on the social media posts, okay? All right. So, uh, as you may have heard, uh, which I think most people have at this point, uh, Scarlett Johansson suing Disney uh, because she is uh, alleging a breach of contract. Uh, I actually saw this misspelled so many times in one article. It, I couldn't even link to it because it was just worthless. I was like, you can't even get this right. They were saying a branch of contract. I'm like, no, it's a breach of contract. Unless I am totally out of the loop on here. If there's a lawyer listening and a branch of contract is a thing, Feel free to send that to Tim at freerangeidc.com. I'll I'll gladly apologize. I like oh learning new gosh. stuff, but I'm pretty sure it's breach of contract. I'm pretty sure it is as well. The point of contention here is that uh, that Black Widow was pushed back at least twice that I remember from its theatrical release due to COVID. Rightfully so, with theaters being closed and mm-hmm. everybody, you know, being told to stay home and all those things, and was was said they were going to have a theatrical release. And then the decision was made to release same day on Disney Plus and on and in theaters. Uh, and this would be a, a premier access thing. So you got to plunk down the 30 bucks if you want to watch it on Disney Plus, unless you want to wait 30 days and then you just get it for free. The contention here is that Scarlett and uh, and her people are saying that there was a promise that they would get a theatrical release now. The, the little thing here is that whether that meant exclusive, which is what her folks are saying is was the meaning of, because that's always what it used to be. Uh, pre-streaming was, a, or even when you had streaming, it was, yeah, it's a theatrical release. Of course, it's released, and then there's a certain period of time before a movie will go from theaters to rental, which, mm-hmm. you know, streaming and all that. Well, uh, Disney uh, don't agree. And uh, has reacted quite harshly mm. to uh, to ScarJo and her folks, and so that has caused oh I don't know a whole lot of animosity. So this is where we find ourselves with a major character, uh, major player from the MCU now being completely on the outs with Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is. And did you see the latest news from today? Uh, yes, I did. They have now cut complete ties with ScarJo. I mean, before it was just, oh, there's a lawsuit and this ain't good. And Disney said some very not so nice, tone deaf, stupid things. Now they're just like, okay, we're done with everything. And apparently she was attached to at least like a one movie or a couple different projects. And now those are all gone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what are your th- initial thoughts on this, sir? Well, first of all, uh, I, I believe, ha- have we entered into Idiot's Court yet, or are we not quite there yet? Ah, uh, yes. And, and what the, can you just run down how we're going to handle this, sir? How are we uh, going well, to handle well, this? Well, I, I think we're just going to go into a discussion about this. Uh, but, but here at, at, at Free Range Idiocy, with, with such a topic, it demands that there be some adjudication. 
Uh, and we are more than willing to step up and show our, our idiocy to the world uh, as best we can by, uh, you know, talking through this and coming to some ruling, which unfortunately will have no meaning in this world, but we'll just do it for the sake of entertainment value. Yes. Is that about summing up? So It does. There's it been does. a people's court. Now we have idiots court, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, and the, and I think what I what I need to clarify here before we get too deep into this because this is extraordinarily important. Scarlett Johansson is is not only the the lead in Black Widow, she is also a producer. And in her deal for the movie, she is getting a piece of the profits of the movie, which is a a, a common, well, kind of common thing that uh, studios are not exactly all that excited about uh, unless they can find a way to cheat that uh, cheat the people out of stuff which uh, more on that later mm-hmm. uh, so she was due some money and would would make more money if this had gone just to theaters in theory uh, and and t- here's a quote actually from her suit uh, quote to maximize these receipts and thereby protect her financial interest miss johansson extracted a promise from marvel that the release of the picture would be a theatrical release which are additional quotes around theatrical release mm-hmm. as miss johansson Hanson, Disney, Marvel, and most everyone else in Hollywood knows a theatrical release is a release that is exclusive to movie theaters. Disney was well aware of this promise, but nonetheless directed Marvel to violate its pledge and instead release the picture on the Disney Plus streaming service the very same day it was released in movie theaters. End quote. Now, not to be outdone, Disney said, hold my beer. Oh, here we go. Or, in, in Disney's case, hold my dole whip. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disney responded on Thursday saying that, quote, there is no merit whatsoever to this filing. Now, that's normal legal ease. Fine. Sure. However, it's like the same thing when someone says, well, this and this and this is. But, no, it's like, yeah, you, you whatever you're going to say after but, you should have just stopped <laughs> right before you said but. Because <laughs> ain't nothing good coming after that. Okay. Following that, they said that, and the suit is, quote, especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, end quote. What? Now, I don't want to say that that's a really craptastic thing to try and tack on there to what is essentially... <laughs> Just and like a battle between accountants. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. That is a really bad thing to to get into there when you're just basically talking about numbers. That is like I this... can't believe that that got th- as many PR people as Disney probably has on retainer. How that made it through all those channels out into the wild is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. This it's not the same thing, but but it it, it reminds me humorously enough, of a Simpsons episode. And this was early in The Simpsons, so you may remember this. A comet is supposedly coming towards the city to wipe everyone out. Mm-hmm. And the they, they show uh, their version of C-SPAN where the government is uh, debating whether to provide uh, some, some, some support to, to this small town of Springfield. And... Right at the end, when they're about to approve it, one of the senators tacks on a rider for some sort of pork barrel spending bill or something like that. And, of course, it leads to it being completely, you know, nixed and they they don't Mm -hmm. get the support. That's what this statement kind of feels like. It's like there's no merit whatsoever to this filing. Okay, 
that that sounds like boilerplate. And yep. then it's just like we're we're gonna tack on. It's especially sad and distressing, and it's Gal's disregard for the horrific and prolonged. Glo- I mean, where does that even come into play with this whole thing? <laughs> oh, it's so now now we get into this idea. So oh, now, uh, good the Lord. the former CEO of Disney, Bob Iger, has over the course of the last year, I believe, has has handed over control to the new CEO, Bob Chapik, Chapik. Chappie. Let's just call him Chappie. So Bob Chappie Iger has over. handed over to Bob Eager. Yeah, to 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 see. So Disney current Disney uh, CEO Chappie uh, is basically taking some heat on this. Apparently, Feige isn't happy either, and even Iger is in it, apparently wherever he's off in a Swiss in a ski chalet somewhere in the Swiss Swiss Alps is just like face palming. Like you had one job, one job. Well, no, two jobs. Just keep signing the checks and collecting the money. That's all you had to do. That's all you had to do. And nope, nope, can't do that. So it's, it is remarkable how badly they're handling this. And especially now with the news today that, yeah, no. And now we, we can't even deal with this. We are, we are taking our ball and going home like a, like, like a pouty eight-year-old or like Cartman from South Park. Screw you guys. I'm going home. Like, really? Really? That's a really you good Cartman to- you just did there, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Like, you made it to be a CEO of a corporation with that mentality? And you know it's got to be coming from the top because there ain't no way this is getting out like this sharp unless it's the guy at the top who everyone's like well i gotta put it out otherwise i get fired yeah it's just like when when you see stuff on wwe tv and people are like well maybe it didn't go through vince no it either vince has just completely gone senile or it went through vince like it's his yeah. company like all of this stuff has to get rubber stamped say it same as like people trying to give kathy kennedy a pass on star wars stuff mm-hmm. no that there is a hierarchy and stuff doesn't happen without people knowing. You know what I mean? I think it's somewhere between what you just quoted Cartman is saying and another Cartmanism uh, of respect my authority. Exactly. That's the other part. Like just trying to, you know, throw your weight around. Like, are you serious? Like part of the part of what works well about the MCU is that at this point you've gotten like really good proper actors to show up in your stuff mm-hmm. because it's the cool thing to do and they want their kids and their grandkids to see them in these roles and you you have access to damn near anybody. Look at some of the people who have shown up in Marvel movies. You have proper actors. You have people with Sir in front of, or Sir or, you know, Dame or whatever the, whatever the, the night or thing is opposite for for ladies whatever you've got like some real proper actors and actresses showing up for these movies you think they're going to watch this and go no i don't know like you're gonna they're gonna end up paying a lot more money to get those people or some of them aren't, aren't gonna be there yeah you know as big as this juggernaut is man stuff gotta stop rolling eventually just ask a patriots fan the, mm-hmm. You know, enjoy the good old days while they're here. Um, man, it's it is remarkable to me. Just I, I keep saying it. It's remarkable how poorly this is being handed handled. Now, the thing is, as a as we all learned from Crimson Tide, as Gene Hackman said, you know, there's nothing uh, more dangerous than a person with a legitimate gripe and a weed up their ass. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, 
I I just always wanted to drop that on here. But anyway, so but the thing is, like, ScarJo's people have a point. Like, she is getting hosed, and by and by she, I mean like her and anybody else on this movie who had a deal that got any kind of these profits, of which she is the highest profile name. And probably the the highest cut that was going to be the biggest check that was going to go out. So she had the most clout here and the most uh, authority to get attention for this. And, you know, so she, in in a way, could theoretically be fighting for anyone else on this. She has a legit gripe. Like she is getting hosed out of money. If if in fact she was given a promise. Now, and this is the thing. I was like. I haven't seen the contract. It, the details are still a little sketchy. I don't know who's seen the contract. But if it's in there that is a theatrical release and they can prove that that means what it's always meant, mm-hmm. even though this streaming now, that's a legit thing. Wouldn't you right. agree? I, I, I would. And, I mean, you have to think about, you know, the, the timeline as well. I mean, you know, Disney Plus was in existence or had just really started pre-COVID. Mandalorian was a hit. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine at that point in time, contractually, that they would have had anything in there other than what she's claiming around box office because the streaming service wasn't even an option at that point. Like, no well, no production companies were, were going ahead with releasing a movie in the theater and on a streaming service. True, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And while... The price they're charging may seem like it makes sense, you know, thirty dollars. You know, I, as I was, you know, talking to my my family about this, you know, we were, we were discussing it, and I was just saying, you know, think about, and, and not that this is a standard case, but think about the fact that you could have a group of like, you know, five or or ten people getting together to watch the movie through the blues. Mm-hmm. That's way more than thirty dollars of of movie tickets. You know what however, I mean. However, however, keep in mind that it's not like the studio is going to see all of that money because I mean, the studios have a real good deal over mm-hmm. over theaters. Like yeah. theaters really don't make much money off of your movie ticket. That's why popcorn costs like eighteen dollars for you to get like the you know the the day old popcorn with like Castrol motor oil butter on it like that's why all that stuff is expensive that's how they make their money their profit comes out of that right so even though even though the studio is making a ton of money they're also not paying for a lot of the the back and forth admin stuff so i mean when they take thirty dollars that's i mean you're talking almost pure profit because it's all in-house but but if you figure twelve dollars a ticket and that's probably being really cheap yeah, These that's days. like a matinee at, the, at this point. Right. So so let's say $15 a ticket, right? So yeah. five people. I'm uh-huh. going to make Uncle Todd do math. Oh, jeez. That's $75. Uh-huh. And they're charging 30 Now, you take 10 people at $15, that's $150. Bucks. Mm-hmm. But you're charging 30 on the streaming service. So you're talking about a factor of either like from two to five times as much money could be coming in at the box office versus just the streaming is, is, is what I'm saying. You know, like if you assume a group of five or a group of 10. So I, so so I'm just saying that even though, you know, them charging 
what they are are charging, you know, to to stream it on on or to watch it on Disney Plus, the blues, blues. Thank you. There is still going to be a hit that that happens because you you always have that potential or possibility of a larger amount of money that could have been made at the and, and I think that's kind of the root of of her lawsuit is the box office is a you know at least at the time that she probably engaged in the contract the box office is really the source of where all the revenue comes from or should have come from and while it makes sense that they charge some amount of money $30 you know seeming reasonable because of course there's going to be a price where families are just not going to pay i mean if if you I mean, quite honestly, right? I mean, until the WWE Network came out, I wasn't going to pay sixty bucks for a pay per view. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially the type the, the the type of product the WWE is putting out right now. I would, I mean, my God, sixty bucks for that garbage? Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know? I mean, even on its best day, it's not worth sixty dollars right now. I mean, it was worth sixty bucks back in the nineties, but not now. True. But you know, for a movie, I'm just wondering if there is just a a loss. You know that that there is that impact to the revenue that you could be making because they haven't quite sorted out what is the right model to go with streaming versus, you know, physical viewing at the box office. And, and I think that, that it makes sense that, you know, she's kind of pushing the issue because probably would have made, you know, I mean, I don't have the percentages in front of me, but I remember reading like week two of black widow was not good. No, no. And week week one was phenomenal, but week two, there was a tremendous drop off, like more so than normal. And, I don't think it had to do with the quality of the movie. I think it had to do with the distribution. True. And and part of that also is just that, I mean, and well, yeah, and as you said, not most movies are doing that right now. Yeah. Because anyone who's going to see it is going opening weekend. Right. And then, and then there's a ton of people like myself who there's not any theater options around me. Like I gotta, I gotta really go out of my way to see Fair a movie enough. in the theater because the, the two that were closest to me are closed. Like permanent, closed, I got to go an extra, you know, 15, 20 minutes beyond where I would before. And quite honestly, I'm just not comfortable doing that anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, the th- interesting thing about Black Widow is that this is, it's like the perfect storm <laughs> of, of just crap, you know? Yeah. Like, so this went into production, the original release date, of that, uh, release date was in May 2020. Obviously not happening. However, that means it went into production. The the screenplay and everything like that was like 2017, 2018. So you're talking about a deal that was cut and 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 written way before COVID. Back when every Marvel movie that came out was just, I mean, you're talking at least 750 mil mm-hmm. easily. Mm-hmm. You know, like with your eyes closed. Like I I can't remember what Thor two made, but it probably made at least that, if not you know, a little bit more. Like, you couldn't not have a Marvel movie make a ton of money. Right, right. So, yeah, that was a great, great deal. And then it never got amended, and then it kept getting pushed back, and now you're still in this area. And the thing is, like, I I will say this. I don't completely disagree with the decision that Disney made. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They made a business decision that was the best interest for them. The thing that that is wrong is not getting on board with the people just basically trying to bully the people who are working for you into well this is the way we're doing it tough because that is exactly what hbo and warner brothers did a while ago here and 
that didn't go so well for them. They got a lot of flack. So that right. the, earlier this year, they decided that they were going to put their entire 2021 slate on HBO Max same day as their theatrical release. Mm -hmm. So that's how we've gotten, you know, Godzilla versus Kong and, uh, you know, and and Suicide, the, I'm sorry, The Suicide Squad, mm -hmm. and uh, a couple other flicks that I'm, I'm just forgetting off the top of my head, all showing up on HBO Max. Now, they go away after 30 days, which is a little bit weird, I think. Yeah. Um, but you don't have to pay the extra money for them. It's just to be, it's on there. You're paying your monthly fee, and you get it. Yeah. And because of the kerfuffle shall we say that was put up by a lot of people who this was not even part of their deal and it was they were not consulted and these are a bunch of people who are thinking like i might make money like producers and and directors and and some of the top build actors they're all thinking they've got these deals where they're getting a cut of profits and now all of a sudden there ain't no profit to be had Mm -hmm. Not be, because of COVID, but then also because you're cutting my legs right out from under me. So yeah. apparently, Warner Brothers dished out about 300 million in compensation to to various key players to to shut everyone up. You would think Disney would actually have taken notes, mm -hmm. and maybe I don't know. I guess from what I've the little bits I've read here and there, apparently ScarJo's people basically said like, "Hey, this ain't right. We have to talk about this. We have to talk about this." And never there was never an agreement, and right. Disney just went ahead and did it anyways. The thing is, Disney Plus is projected to make over ten billion dollars in 2021. That's up four point five billion from 2020. Yep, they have doubled their profits. From last year, and they have passed 100 million subscribers as of March 2021. Which at this point, we've now seen. I mean, those numbers are definitely higher because you're talking. You've, now you've got even more stuff coming out. Right. So just right. naturally, that number is going to be higher. Yeah. With all that cash, and they still manage to screw this up. Yeah. All it takes is a couple checks. And I get Disney's is probably hurting a little bit because the cruises are shut down, their parks were shut down for a long time. I get it. But good lord, this is horrible publicity that could have just been washed away with the money hose. Well, I can also ask a very uncomfortable question. Oh boy. And and you can let me know if you want to go there or not. But I'll I'll, I'll ask the question nonetheless. Would this be handled the way it was handled if this was Robert Downey Jr.? No, oh, no. Oh, of course not. No, although well, and and okay. and, and I don't mean so, to turn it into a male female thing, but I do no, want to point it, that it, out that. Yeah, and and, and and RDJ is a little bit of a trick pony because he probably holds a lot of clout. You know what I mean? Like he's he is kind of the face of the franchise in a lot of ways, and and that isn't a knock on on Scarlett Johansson. It's it's just you know that that's the reality of what it is. I mean, he he is Iron Man, and he really is a foundational piece of why Marvel has become what it's become. But. I question if it was Chris Evans or if it was Hemsworth or, or whoever, would this be handled in the same way? And, and, and I really feel like it's, it's really kind of a sad take on Disney that they would go about it the way that they are. The only similarity, first of all, my answer is no, it would not be handled the same way. No. I, 100% no. Well, let's not go 100% because, I mean, as we all know, nothing is 100%, and the minute you get trapped in that, you come up with a thing that, that completely disproves it. So, okay, so fine. 99.8% sure that this would not have happened if it were Robert Downey Jr. Now, 
the similarity here is the fact that you know you can look at it and say, well, what happens if this were Endgame coming out? Right. You know that Robert Downey Jr.'s contract is up, his character is going away. Same as Black Widow. I mean, yeah, they can bring either of them back, but I mean, it really looks like this was the end of the line for Black Widow. Like this mm-hmm. was tying everything up. Would they still be willing to go? Yeah, see it. No, no, they would not. No, they would not. And yeah, it has a lot to do with the fact. Uh, well, I, 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 let's put it this way. Uh, I don't know that their indignation, indignation, indignation with a lawsuit wouldn't have been the same. I think they would have still been indignant. I think the harsh manner in which they're dealing with with uh, with ScarJo in a very public way definitely has roots in the fact that this is a, a female actor producer and is not a male actor producer. Yes, I'm willing to go there. Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, if I can go back to the tombstone well, when it comes to Disney, I will quote Doc Holliday. Evidently, Mr. Ringo's an educated man. Now I really hate him. Yeah. It's it's absolutely crazy. Now, so the other thing that's actually interesting in this, yes. and, and this will be, uh, this will kind of be interesting as it goes forward, is uh, is the Disney's Jungle Cruise, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which came out hot on the heat, well, not hot on the heels, but the following month, for the beginning of August here, and was released exactly as Black Widow was, same day, Disney Plus and theaters, again, same premiere access, 30 buck. Put the money on the barrelhead. Now, Dwayne Johnson, as he is with everything, uh, Seven Bucks Productions is uh, is listed as one of the producers. Dwayne, definitely... Uh, a producer of this movie and has a lot of clout. Um, so f- the the question I have is, how is this affecting his contract? Mm. Did he have a theatrical release guarantee? Yeah. And yeah. if they approached him, if we come to find out that they man they they approached him and did business with him and cut him some money, but they didn't do that with ScarJo, because they're looking at it like, well, Black Widow is done, and. We'll just find somebody else. But you know what? We got The Rock in a Disney movie, and that would be... Actually, I think he's been in at least one other Disney flick, hasn't he? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because he was... What was it? The the Witch Mountain movie, and then he was oh, also... Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Wasn't, a, definitely. wasn't like the Tooth Fairy or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those were early Rock movies. I mean, now, I mean, we're talking like not just capital T, capital R. We're talking like all capital letters like right the rock this dude makes cash for everybody um so and actually yeah he's actually he's a producer on a bunch of new uh stuff for disney plus uh like the behind the attraction documentaries that they have on there those are he's a producer on those so he's oh, he's very involved in Disney. If it comes out that they are they are doing business with him and they didn't do it with ScarJo, who oh. you want? I mean that that is like the one way this could get worse. Boom goes the dynamite, my friend. Because the thing is, like, so Jungle Cruise earned thirty million, uh, which is a third of its opening week revenue, or a, a third of its revenue when I got these numbers from Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Black Widow made sixty million online. So hmm. Black Widow did double the business of Jungle Cruise online. Now, I mean, 
how that all sifts out. I mean, right now, Black Widow's sitting, uh, you know, just north of three forty, three hundred forty-four million uh, on a budget. I mean, uh, uh, a gross uh, with a two hundred million dollar budget. So, sounds good. And uh, and actually, Disney is actually the first people in a you know in a a weird sort of way. They are the most transparent of the streamers because they've actually started releasing some of this uh, real-time streaming streaming revenue, which hasn't been available. Like Netflix doesn't share it. Hulu doesn't share it. They're actually starting to share it now, starting with Black Widow and continuing with Jungle Cruise. So in a weird twist of fate, they're actually sending out the information that could possibly be used against them later. Interesting. And then when we, uh, so the next question, I guess the question I have here for you mm-hmm. and your thoughts on this, uh, when we consider the practices of Hollywood accounting, what is it going to take for Hollywood to actually change its business practices to compensate fairly for streaming? Uh, I mean, I, I think we're seeing it play out. I, I think you're going to have, you know, I kind of go back to the movie Moneyball. Add that up and you get... Want me to speak? Went up one of you, yeah. And toward the end, the guy playing John Henry of the Red Sox, you know, telling Billy Bean that the first guy through the door is always going to take the lumps, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Black Widow. I think it's one of the movies that is kind of going to define how this is going to move forward. And, you know, I think uh, for folks who you know, for, for actors, actresses, whoever, you know, is involved in a negotiation around, you know, compensation for, for services rendered, shall we say, um, mm-hmm. you now have to have that in the conversation. I mean, I think, I think what we're seeing is she's kind of, I don't mean to say a victim, but it is kind of like a victim of a, a completely unforeseen circumstance, you know, mm-hmm. um, probably like, as we've talked about, I think a lot of probably what was agreed to was in a pre COVID world. And, Streaming just wasn't as much of a foundational element as it is now because you, you just you have you have to factor in, um, you know, for for as wrong as Disney has been in, in the way they've handled it as mm-hmm. a business, you have to look at the state of the world and say our viewing audience, some percentage of them is not going to feel comfortable going to a theater. Mm-hmm. And so how are we going to serve that that piece of our audience? And so you have a streaming service, you know, so it does make sense to utilize that technology and that that service that you have. Yeah, um, totally. But you have to be fair about the way, you know, you compensate the people involved in the process, because mm-hmm. if they're all about kind of an old model that w- that predated what the state of the world is now, it would seem the right thing to do would be to kind of correct that. You know what I mean? It would seem. So that's my take on it is I, I think, you know, if you're going to adapt your business model because you know your audience is, is going to be bifurcated between a couple different scenarios, then be willing to then make adjustments for the people who brought the game to the table, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and first of all, first and foremost... Dude, kudos to you for working bifurcated into that. that I was, told you, I'm all about working the big words in, baby. <laughs> that that was uh, chef's kiss. That was lovely. Somewhere a Scrabble champion just nodded sage like, yes, yes. Um, so I I would love to agree with your, your wide-eyed optimism. Uh, however, I, I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think that there will be changes. 
because anytime you start getting lawsuits flying around, there's always the possibility something might happen that will set a precedent. However, I don't hold out a lot of hope that Hollywood will not immediately find a way to get theirs back. And here I will use uh, three separate examples just to kind of give you an idea. So uh, first question, uh, a question for you, sir. Uh, do you uh, happen to recall this little independent movie uh, that came out uh, many years ago, uh, a, little, a little movie called Return of the Jedi? I do. Okay. So Return of the Jedi, according to Lucasfilm, this is, this is Lucasfilm, that hallowed hall of integrity and Ewoks, <laughs> despite having earned $475 million, that's $475 million American, we're not talking like Lira or something here, at the box office against a budget of $32.5 million, Return of the Jedi has never gone into profit. What? $475 million at the box office, a budget of $32.5 million an unprofitable movie. Now, keep in mind, usually when you think of what promotional costs are for a movie, you double the budget. So $65 million. Still, there's a gap of, I mean, my math sucks, but I'm saying there's north of $400 million there that's disappearing somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, another example would be, and uh, this kind of is, well, it kind of ties in a little bit, but it ties in also with Marvel. Stan Lee, co-creator of the character Spider-Man, had a contract awarding him 10% of the net profits of anything based on his characters. The film Spider-Man, 2002, uh, Tobey Maguire, made more than $800 million in revenue. $800 million, Okay. But the producers claim that it did not make any profit as defined in Lee's contract, and Lee received nothing. In 2002, he filed a lawsuit against Marvel Comics. The case was settled in January 2005 with Marvel paying $10 million to finance past and future payments claimed by Mr. Lee. So they paid him $10 million cash, lump sum, to be like, and we're going to make a bunch more. Jeez. Crazy. So. Crazy. Uh Let's see here. Um, let's go down here to uh, our good our good friends Warner Brothers because you know they just can't. can't <laughs> Side says it all. They just can't avoid putting their foot up their own butt. A Warner Brothers receipt was leaked online showing that the hugely successful movie Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. You remember that you know, the magic wand and flying broom movies that Mm -hmm. people seem to love so much, ended up with a $167 million loss on paper after grossing nearly $1 billion. Was was Dr. Evil in on that cut or what? No, Dr. Evil couldn't figure out this sort of math. (laughs) This is especially egregious given that without inflation adjustment, The Wizarding World, which are all the Harry Potter movies, I guess, is the third highest grossing film series of all time, both domestically and internationally, after Star Wars and the MCU. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 remains the highest grossing movie ever for Warner Brothers. The Hollywood accounting in the Harry Potter case included a $60 million interest charge on a $400 million budget over two years, an interest rate far higher than industry standard, as well as high distribution and advertising fees paid out to a Warner Brothers subsidiary and sister corporations. 
I have zero hope that the actual foundational system in Hollywood is going to change because it's been going on a long time. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so they that's, set up corporations, they set up these companies and pay themselves and the money goes here and goes there. You can look at it as a loss and, oh, sorry, your movie didn't make any money. What do you mean? It's been at the number one at the box office for six weeks and it costs like next to nothing to make. That's nope, crazy. sorry. I mean, and there's example after example after example of this. So it's it's depressing to think about, but I I don't see it changing, dude. Yeah. You know, I mean, they might change the streaming part, but then it's just, well, find out another thing to find another way to hose them. Yeah. I mean, it's like, wh- where does all that money go? I mean, it's just the, these these companies they create. Is that what you're saying? Well, it all it's all companies that flow back that are owned by the studio. So all the money flows backwards. Oh, my gosh. It's like advanced money laundering. All right, I'll I'll jump over to the Princess Bride and just simply say, uh, from from uh, Vizini, uh inconceivable. No, unfortunately, it's very conceivable. They've conceived of it. Ah, They've executed it. <sighs> I think we just take off, nuke the planet from orbit. <laughs> Thank you, Captain only, Picard. That's <laughs> the only way to be sure. No, Number Captain one. Picard never said that one. Number one. That was our that was our good friend Michael Bean right there. Oh, that's true. That is true. So after all of this evidence being uh, presented, we are a, we're a two judge panel here in Idiots Court uh, adjudicating you the, uh, the topic. Magi- what what say you, uh, magistrate? The man they call Tim. Put on your powdered wig and 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 what say you? <laughs> who who is right and who is wrong? Who is guilty? Uh, given the information brought before us, uh, I, I will have to find in favor of, uh, ScarJo. Uh, I, I feel that given the timing of the movie, given the time period when the movie was, was being filmed and, uh, created, that it, it was, uh, bad form by Disney to go streaming the way they did. And that rather than get into a prolonged PR battle here, uh, that they should have just owned up and said, you know what, we, we came to an agreement in a different state of the world. It's changed. We recognize we will, we will compensate fairly. Uh, but again, I am a bit of an optimist and idealist. And uh, of course, that will never happen. But... Given that I am ruling and adjudicating over Idiot's Court, I am saying I'm finding for Scar Joe. And that is that I dropped the gavel. There it is. I concur. I concur. And uh, I would like to also add that at this point, I believe CEO Chappie <laughs> should, be, should be remanded to a public stocks <laughs> out in front of a Disney World. Just for his name alone, Chappie. He should be brought forth. And set on public display for several hours each day where where people may walk past crying shame, shame, shame. And then we like put him on the Tower of Terror for 18 hours straight to see if he can hold down his lunch. Is that going too far? No, not at all. Okay, good. Not at all. So it is said, so it shall be written. And then you can say, uh, to quote Doc Holliday, Johnny, I apologize. I forgot you were there. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Bab. Do you mind mopping that up on your way out?
And another thing. All right, sir. Well, now that we've uh, settled that case, what do you have for and another thing this week? Well, my friend, uh, my and another thing, uh, as you can probably tell from uh, the ridiculous tombstone quotes I've been <laughs> breaking out here, there, and everywhere. Just uh, wedging in every chance you have. Oh, my God. So for our listeners, Saturday night, I, I uh, ventured into Amazon Prime and happened to notice that Tombstone was not only available on that service, but it was for free. Oh and when things boy. are free, you make bad decisions. So, <laughs> so around about midnight, you started this puppy. I started watching this thing at, after midnight. It was like 12.15, and, and I'm doing the math. <laughs> and I know full well where this is heading. And I said to myself, all right, I'm just going to watch a little bit, and then I'll stop it. Oh yeah! Before I know it, I'm yourself. before I know it, I'm three quarters of the way through. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. Oh, such a great movie! Such a great movie! And and you know, part of it was was inspired a bit by uh, I don't know if you've seen the trailer uh, called Val for uh, uh, it's it's a um, yes yeah film about, about Val, Val Kilmer. Kilmer yeah mm-hmm. and. You know, I saw that a couple weeks ago, and and then on YouTube I was kind of poking around because I just remember him from Tombstone, and you know the 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 Doc Holliday role that he played, and just how foundational that was to that movie, um, in terms of making it such a great movie. I've not yet begun to defile myself. What you know just can't be can't be stated enough. You know, I mean, I I, I really mm. feel like he transcended kind of the you know not just the movie but the character in terms of you know just just trying to breathe life into it and and make it you know kind of a part of that world and and he's just i I mean just just the way he acts in that movie is just phenomenal um i love the relationship between him and wyatt you know i mean Mm. you know the, the the movie covers a lot of ground but but it really does like one of the focal points of it is really about the friendship between Wyatt Earp and, and himself and, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, how, how the, the Doc Holliday character, you know, I, I mean, he doesn't come out and say that he's a, he's a brother of his, but he seems to treat him very much like one. If, if, yeah. if you would agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I would. So, so yeah, so I, I just, uh, yeah, so I, I didn't go to bed till about two 30 in the morning <laughs> on Sunday morning after watching that on Amazon prime, but what a great film. And, you know, it's from the early nineties. It, it, it has aged, uh, just fine. I mean, if, if you watch it, if you're a fan of Westerns and you just like that kind of genre, uh, they, they do a phenomenal job. Um, I don't have the actor's name in front of me, but the one who plays Ike Clanton, who oh, is kind geez. of the loudmouth of the villainous cowboys group? You know, he's the one that's kind of egging Wyatt Earp along constantly, and he's very coward cowardly. And listen now, Mister Kansas Law Dog, Law don't go around here, savvy, uh-huh. and that sort of thing. I, I don't know the actor, but man, he's another one who is just phenomenal. I mean, the, look at the look at the cast list on this movie. It's a, it, oh, it's so a who's who. Mm-hmm. Of of Hollywood, it's really incredible. But my God, that guy who played that that character was just phenomenal. Because, you know, it, it, it's the old wrestling trope. You know, I mean, you, a, a great face is made by a very good heel, and yes, you you have some really good heels in this movie that really accentuate you know and 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 help to kind of shine you know shine a light on on the the heroes of the movie. 
So, uh, so I would highly recommend uh, Tombstone on Amazon Prime. And to quote Doc Holliday once again, you're daisy if you do. Now, first of all, I just want to say that your bad decisions are so much better than my bad decisions. <laughs> I've not yet begun to defile myself. And 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 good for you for that because you know uh yeah. So good on you for your bad decision just being a movie started too late. Mm-hmm. And I and I highly I highly concur with yours. Uh <laughs> and what for, is yours, sir? For me this week it's a little something different. Normally we like to keep this positive. However, I feel <laughs> I feel that I need I need to to talk about this because we we've mentioned this movie before. Is a uh, lashing we, in order? Uh, not well, we'll see. Uh, we mentioned this movie before, and I I didn't feel it merited its own episode or even a, a spot in the illustrious Week in Geek, the the now showpiece of our show, <laughs> which is the the shiny hood ornament on the the free range idiot Cadillac, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, let's just get into this. James Gunn's. <laughs> The Suicide Squad. Uh, first of all, what a dumb name. You, you already had Suicide Squad. Like, just putting the in front of it is is lame. Like, make let me know where this happens in the continuity. Like, is it overriding what happened before? No, it's not. It's a sequel, but it's pretending that it's not a sequel. It's trying to be a it's trying to be a soft reboot, but it's it's a I don't know. Well, I don't know what the crap this thing is. And you know what? Well, it doesn't either. I I, I was going to ask you because you've you've seen it if if that was in fact what was being aimed for what like do you think it was being called the suicide squad because it was meant to be kind of a restart of sorts yes they're trying okay. to they're trying to do a soft reboot or a restart but again it's it's not clear exactly exactly what they're trying to do the movie itself doesn't really know what it's trying to do so <laughs> They want they want everyone to forget the fact that you had Jared Leto, Leto, whatever his face was, playing the playing like meth Joker in the previous one, <laughs> and the Lord. fact that we we had the cameo with with uh, Batfleck. Just forget that ever happened. Just forget it ever happened. But yet we're still going to grab some of those characters and bring them into this movie to so that you still are familiar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, uh, so the thing is like this movie has a lot going for it. Mm. You got Idris Elba, you've got, um, you got Margot Robbie coming back as Harley Quinn. Uh, you've even got Michael Rooker, uh, for a cup of coffee in this movie. Uh, like you said, you have James Gunn who has shown that he can do, you know, really good things with Guardians of the Galaxy. Can I jump Uh, in just for a second? Yes, sir. Michael Rooker, also part of the cast of Tombstone. Yes, that's true. As I forgot. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so what? Twenty five years later, <laughs> twenty years st- later, what, what? Still chugging along, man. Good I lord. Mean, the Rook. Oh, the oh. Rook. I'm man popping, y'all. God love him, and also a great, a great bad guy in Kevin Smith's Mallrats. Mm-hmm. And uh, a great character in The Walking Dead, by the way. Oh, I didn't know he was... He's in everything. Good he, Lord. He, he was uh, Merle in The Walking Dead and turned out to be a much... Uh, I mean, he's he left the show like several seasons ago, but he was a bit character that just turned into a foundational... I, I, I don't want to say foundational character, but an emotional character when he departed from the show. 
Oh, wow. So Good for it, him. It was, it was very cool. But, uh, but yes, definitely a, a part of Tombstone and the uh, crazy lineage that that film has. But anyways, I'm oh. sorry. Suicide Squad. So, like I said, this movie has a lot going for it. And yet it still manages to walk out of this thing with the DC stench all over it. <laughs> like, I... Oh, I, I I had high hopes because yeah James Gunn and it's all James the, Gunn yeah and the problem is now we're starting to understand because we talked about this a couple episodes ago we did where he's like I could do whatever I wanted blah 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 <laughs> you know what as we've seen with George Lucas in the prequel trilogy maybe not such a good idea for everybody <laughs> to be able to do whatever they want oh, it Lord. you know what filters can be a really good thing. And you know what? If you've been in any kind of relationship that's lasted for more than a week, you know this, Mm -hmm. that you don't say everything that comes into your head and not everything that you say is a great idea. Filters, they'll save your life. (laughs) Um, So the idea is, I mean, okay. The main problem is Watching this movie, and and I understood why they got James Gunn to to kind of do this movie because it's the same sort of idea. Is that Guardians of the Galaxy? The premise is those characters are all kind of casts off that come together, and you have this ensemble cast. Well, if you have a cast like this with Suicide Squad, it makes perfect sense. You get guy who made a trillion dollars on this premise, and you have him do your movie. Only problem is the Suicide Squad. still hate that name feels very much like a rejected guardians three script except they just took either rocket or groot and swapped in a shark take your pick because there's elements of either kind of character in in the in king shark and how that character kind of works throughout the thing it's actually more groot than than rocket but you know there's elements so it, but it feels it feels like this is a very similar. I'm like I feel like I've seen this movie just with different characters. Interesting, you know. And as as much as I enjoy watching Idris Elba do Idris Elba things, meh. After a little while, like you, it, every movie is going to have its plot holes. It's going to have its things. It's going to have this and that and the other. But when overall you can't suspend disbelief enough, where you're just like, well. But uh, uh, I mean, and there was some good parts and all that. But at the end of the movie, I'm like, okay, I am not interested in seeing these, seeing the next movie. I'm really not. Like, it's sort of like, oh yeah, well that was a thing. Definitely not going to buy it on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And the the thing that I think is interesting that we're talking about this, or I, well, I'm talking about it. Uh, at the end of talking about stream versus screen, is that this is a textbook example of a movie that I'm glad was streaming and especially on HBO where in fact not only did I not have to not only did I not have to pay premium access like mm-hmm. like a Disney uh, Disney Plus sort of situation they plus we're currently staying at our friend's house and he's the one paying for the HBO subscription so I didn't even pay one red cent for this thing <laughs> oh, I didn't Lord. pay dollar one wow. it was just my time you know I mean I'm I was even drinking this dude's like tap water while we're sitting there watching the movie like that's how little I invested in this thing and you know what I still felt a little cheated impressive most yes, impressive. very impressive. So here's my here's my recommendation for you. Please. 
if you're going to watch The Suicide Squad, James mm-hmm. Gunn's The Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. definitely watch it on streaming and definitely if you can find someone else who has the subscription and go watch it at their house and don't bother subscribing to quote doc holiday once again i stand corrected wyatt you're an oak (laughs) (laughs) rotten. oh good lord well, on that note, uh, I believe that it's time for us to bid our, our our lovely listeners a very fond adieu. Ah, yes, parting is such sweet sorrow, unless, of course, you're just tired of our crap, in which case you stopped listening about an hour and a half ago, which, hey... <laughs> Nay, 45 coming. minutes ago, they stayed for Week and Geek, baby. You know what? You're getting a little too, a little too full of yourself. <laughs> Ride comes before the fall, my friend. Just Indeed. remember that. Indeed. And I say that because we are we are now bidding adieu to the Free Range Idiocy Congregation. We do we do thank you for coming in here, and you know we hope that you, the, the, that the pews have been nice and comfortable. Comfortable. We tried to get the recliners in and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the velour is a little bit worn, but we're working on that. Uh, so thank you very much for for tuning in, for listening. You can subscribe to our pod, humble little podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean. You can find all of our episodes at freerangeidiocy.com. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do to be part of the Free Range EDC congregation is just subscribe and listen. That's all we ask. We ain't passing the collection plate quite yet. We might. because We aren't well, charging for streaming. That's That much is for sure. <laughs> no, certainly not. Oh, my gosh. No <laughs> premium access here because, well, quite frankly, <laughs> we'd be I out of work. Even- I wouldn't even listen. I mean, come on. Uh, and now, but if you do want to follow us on the social medias, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All three of those are at Free Range Idiocy. If you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, outright offers of bribery, we are certainly not above it or below it for that matter. Uh, you can send those to Tim at freerangeidiocy.com and he will get back to you PDQ forthwith, if not sooner. And now, we come to... What I have heard our listeners feel is the best part of the show. Even even better. Oh, even better than the illustrious Week in Geek. And why, you may ask? Well, it's because I finally shut up. <laughs> this is the point in our broadcast when we when I hand the baton over to the man they call Tim, the less idiotic of the two idiots who run this show, because, well, in the land of the blind... The one-eyed man is king. And I say to Tim, taking into account the entirety of everything that we have adjudicated Mm -hmm. this episode, bifurcated even, (laughs) taking into account the the cochlear region, what the hell did we learn today? Uh, My friend, we have learned the following. Mm Mm-hmm. Uncle Todd loves him some Star Trek Discovery. Oh, preach it. That, that, that much we know for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, mark our words. Mickey Momo will be trending this week on Twitter, baby. Oh, yes. Patrick, uh, Patrick, write that down. Mickey Momo. <laughs> Mick, Mick, Mickey. Capital M. K-E-Y-M-O-M. You know what? I... Uh, 
Oh, yes. Just do me a favor. Take the cap off the glue again, would you? Just get me to the end of the show. Uh, Idiot's Court is a thing. No, really. It is a thing. And we have adjudicated an issue this evening. ScarJo is in the right. Disney needs mm-hmm. to stand in their wrongness and just be wrong. Yes, Chappie. And uh, finally, Uncle Todd's trick eye is kicking in after watching the Suicide Squad. I think he's got that, that veins popping out of the right side of his, his cerebellum. Over there. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, uh, we want to thank our listeners for the downloads this past week. We appreciate it, as always. And as we like to close out, uh, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. And as always, uh, you know, Black Widow charged about 30 bucks to watch it on streaming Disney Plus. But for us, please, you got to save a few pennies. So could you please hit the lights on the way out? Nobody's answering the phone. What's going on? Get in the car. Take me to Hammer Industries. I'm not taking you anywhere. Fine. You want me to drive? No, I'm driving. Get in the car. You give me my keys, Will, boy. Watch the road. Can we help Steven get a peek? What's your name, lady? Rushman, Natalie Rushman. Front and center. Come into the church. No, you're seriously not gonna. If ask it pleases her. the court, which it does. You want me to speak? When I point you again. she's She is from legal, and she is potentially a very expensive sexual harassment lawsuit. If you keep ogling her like that. Yes, and I've got three. Excellent potential candidates. They're lined up and ready to meet you. I don't have time to meet. I, I, I need someone now. I feel like it's her. You're wrong. Very, very impressive individual. So She's fluent in you French, Italian, Russian, Latin. Who speaks Latin? No one speaks Latin. No it's a dead Latin. language. I have a bad feeling about this. You can read Latin or you can yeah. write Latin, Did but you, you can't speak Latin. Because she modeled in Tokyo. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. This moron is giving me everything. Just slip. You did? Yeah. Looks like a TKO to me. Damn! I need your impression. Have quiet reserve. I don't know you have an old soul. I meant your fingerprint. What about the nurse that lives across the hall from you? She seems kind of nice. Secure the engine room, then find me a date. I'm multitasking. I want one. No. Just like Budapest all over again. You and I remember Budapest very differently. This man declined the Nobel Peace Prize. He said peace wasn't an achievement of responsibility. See, it's stuff like this that gives me trust issues. I'm your huckleberry. $30. $30 for premiere access. You know, I ain't paying 60 for WWE. I'm telling you that much. It's a great world that we live in that now everything is a subscription model. Like, mm-hmm. I can't wait until, like, this carries over to every single... Well, actually, it pretty much is every single thing. And you're just mm. like, we're turning everything into pay phones now. It's awesome. Indeed. It's awesome. Ain't technology great? It's grand, it great? baby. Oh, come on, giant asteroid. Oh, wait, no. We got to... I got to... Can't, giant asteroid can't come yet. We've got some shows coming up. As Doc Holliday would say... Peace, love, dope. Now get the hell out of here.
My hypocrisy only goes so far.